0: Alright guys, so this is the highly, highly, highly anticipated, uh, by at least, you know, 10 people. Uh, the end of the year book recommendations. Is Everybody's it, making book recommendations. Is this the only podcast of the year for us? <laughs> this is the, well, the cutting we, room floor technically came out as podcasts. So, uh, so, Every year, so if you're new, a new member. So one of the things we do at the end of every year, we used to have a podcast we did regularly. That's turned into it was dead for a while, and basically we did the cutting room floor recently. Uh, but we would always have a book recommendation at the end of every year. Normally we would have Catherine with us, but she is quarantining right now. Uh, but we do have one of her rec, a couple recommendations. Yeah, we, we have made. her.
1: She she ma- she mailed them in.
0: That's right, she mailed them in. And so uh, one of the things that we want to do is we want to create a culture of reading, uh, reading good books that will stoke our love for God. And so, Joey, why should we read good books? I already made one mention. Yes.
1: Stoking our uh, love for God. Well, I think Christians are readers. God gave us the Word, and so predominantly we read Scripture. But we also stand on the shoulders of saints from centuries past who have mm-hmm. written good books and of saints and century present. Uh that's Christian, but you could even argue for reading non Christian books if there's such a thing. Just because God has created all things for our enjoyment, beauty, creativity, wonder, and all those things can stoke our love for God, yeah. even if it's not distinctly Christian.
0: Yeah, and so if you're not in the habit of reading, might I encourage you to begin? hopefully you're reading the bible every day that is the most important book you need to read but what do you mean by habit of reading do you mean i have to sit down every day and read for hours not for hours but even if, it, if it's a sentence so one example one if it's one to sentence one paragraph or a chapter or an entire book of the bible uh, it should be your habit to take in to feed your soul with god's word and uh you got to create those habits right yeah. the the, it's now instinctive for me, but it took time for it to, to get there. And so start that habit if you already, aren't not already there. Uh, and so Joey, tell me, summer, are, what are, how, what are some of the ways you different, re,
1: you read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, different ways of reading, right? Yep. So reading scripture, uh, it's my practice to get up, go make my latte and read scripture. And so depending on what I'm working through, I'll sit down at our dining room table. And just begin to read scripture. That's when I read most of scripture. That's one way I read. If there's another book that I'm thinking through for maybe it's things life of the church. Maybe I'm teaching. Maybe I'm meditating on something. When I get to the office, uh, when I come in, I will typically give my attention to that first. Because I know I'm just weak. If I get into the email box or start doing other things, I'm just not going to get back to it. And so I try at the beginning of the day, if I'm reading for something from intellectual purpose, I will try to begin the the day with that. And there might be times throughout the day I can give other time to it. Uh and then in terms of leisure read, enjoyment reads, it is my practice that when I get in the bed in the evening, whether that's at ten o'clock or even eleven o'clock here lately, I'll just I'll read until I fall asleep. I might be reading a magazine, I might be reading an article that I printed off, I might be reading a book that I'm working through like right now, the Wing Feather saga, and some other stuff. But I'll just read. It might be ten minutes, it might be thirty minutes. Um, when I fall asleep.
0: So you have Bible reading in the morning. Yep. You've got sort of stuff you're reading for what you do as a pastor and as a Christian in general, right? Yep. Uh, and then you have thirdly, kind of leisure reads in the evening. Yeah. Can you think back to your time at Coca Cola? Were you a reader then? I was. Um. Even
1: then, I did was, you read? You read stuff
0: for your job. Yeah. For entertainment.
1: But y- yeah, but even even like I was reading Christian books. I was. Yeah. Uh, I've always read even in the evenings. I've just I've just. One of the ways I relax my, I'm so wired. I'm so tense. I am so type A <laughs> that if I, if I don't let a yeah. book kind of calm my imagination and internal to-do list, I don't relax.
0: Yeah. See, I'm, I, I can't read after about nine PM because I'm too tired and I probably would go straight to sleep, but, uh, that's yeah.
1: my wife. Paige. Hey, she, yeah. it, she'll read up in the evening. If she tries to read in the evening, she'll go right to sleep. So yeah. everybody's different.
0: So I wake up same thing, read uh, the text of scripture. I keep an ESV readers Bible next to me. If you don't have one of those, there's What is so, a readers Bible? Readers Bible so oh, they take the basically take the chapters and the headings and the verses out. So it's just straight words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it reads like a book, which is is and, and so uh, I wake up in the morning, I'll normally read some of that. I come into the office, sometimes I'll read more scripture. A lot of times I'm trying to read the passage uh, that I'm going to preach that week. I'll literally read it every single day. Uh, so that's my time in the word. And then I'll have uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays, those are the days I'm not preparing a sermon, uh, I'll have different portions of the day wherever there's a gap. If I don't have a meeting or have something else to do, uh, I have sort of like you, I've got a few books I'm trying to read through to think about. As Most of these are books that you could read as Christians, but uh, they're not just pastor stuff. Uh, but that's sort of work environment. I protect those days, Monday, Tuesdays, Fridays, to do meetings and uh, reading. And then I have leisure reads too.
1: And I'd also say even back when we used to take the metro and do those types of things, if I was going to a meeting downtown to have lunch, yes. I'd grab a book, grab yes. a highlighter, and I'd read it on the metro as I go. So Carry I didn't, I didn't, a book I didn't, everywhere you yeah. go. I didn't add anything to my schedule. Yes. I just
0: I took it. So That's a good word. Um, audio yeah. audiobooks too. I listen to a ton of podcasts. We could have a whole other yeah. thing on that. So uh listen I listened to a great audio book by the on Ulysses S. Grant. It was fantastic. It just yeah, go in place. Okay. Here we go. So I keep – one thing I do every year is I actually have a document every year that I start and I make a commitment to myself. This is one way I help myself read, push myself to reading. I say I'm going to read these 10 or 12 books. Uh, I commit to myself to read them, and that's helpful to me because uh, it helps me diversify my reading. I started doing this because I noticed one year I read, bas- I read basically like five variations of the same book without knowing it because I just picked up a book and started reading so I, so, what it does, it pushes me on. I do a commit list, and it's less books than I'll read in a year. And I put it on there, so it gives me some flexibility to read more books, but uh, I at least commit to those books, and I've thought through the categories of books I want to read. And so uh, this year I've read roughly 30 books, uh, and there's about 12 or 13 books on that commit list. There's two books I'm not going to get to on my commit list. But uh, anyway, so that's sort of how I push myself along. I hope you'll get in the habit of reading. And so.
1: I, I don't do that. I don't make a commit list per se. I have some categories in my mind yeah. of what I want to read. And so, I mean, again, but I, I think that's a, a good point of understanding and reading out of different categories yeah. and being sharpened in different ways. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, let's, let's do this. Joey, uh, should we let Catherine go first? Sure. You what did Catherine strong. say? So, well, this one, let's go ahead and do the one that is yeah, so, everybody's, yeah. everybody's on everybody's list. It's fantastic. Here you go. Uh, this was on Catherine's list. This was on my list. This was on Joey's
1: list. There it is. Gentle and lowly. Talk to us about it, Joey. The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Uh, so I First, first wa- of all,
0: it's just a pretty book. <laughs> That's right. Your wife would use this for decoration hey, somewhere.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> but we also read it. So I've read this book three times this year uh so really yeah pa- i read it out loud to Paige uh, during our week of prayer and fasting yeah. it was so good i had to go back and reread it yeah sure uh, right? personally and then uh been taking our community group through it but you know, here's here's the heart of the the book he just this is dane writing he says my dad pointed out to me something that charles spurgeon pointed out to him in the four gospel accounts given to us in matthew mark luke and john 89 chapters of biblical text there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. And that's Matthew 11:29. I am gentle and lowly in heart. <clears throat> and this book expounds that truth by taking various biblical passages and just unfolding the heart of Christ. So I think he did a really good job of showing the holy humility of Jesus. Mm. So he doesn't I don't think he goes too far on one way. Yep. Um, and he so, even gets into the anger a little bit of God. And how does that work against, or not against, how does it work with the gentleness of yeah. Christ? And then at the back end of the book, he wraps it up by by pulling in the Trinity and showing how Jesus' heart is the same heart as the Father and the same heart as the Spirit. Mm. And so it, I just found it to be a magnificent book. Uh, Amazon there. literally sold out of them.
0: Wow. I think that's the only time I've ever seen that from a yeah. Christian book. Uh So I think all of us, if you said, all right, Nathan, Joey, Catherine, what's the one book I should read this year? Would you agree
1: this is the one? Absolutely. And I think we have one copy. In yep. our, this is actually because mine's at home. I borrowed this one off the <laughs> shelf. So uh, if you if you want this book and you will read it, yeah, come find me or Nathan and say, "Hey, that, I want that copy of the book." And so,
0: notice he said, "And you will read it." You are committing to read this. It's an excellent book. Yeah, excellent. it is amazing. All right, let's stay in the frame of mind of kind of Christian devotional kind of books. Okay. Uh so let's kind of stay in that sphere. What else do you have?
1: Um. Uh, this one uh that you actually um, mentioned to me earlier this year, The Cross He Bore, Meditations on the Suffering... I got it too! <laughs> <laughs> that well, was unplanned. There you go. Well, since you recommended it to me, why don't yeah. you explain it? Because I thought it was fantastic. Well, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say uh, this. When I was preparing to preach Jesus in the garden, I wanted to have a sanctified imagination of what that might be like. And... Frederick Leahy did a phenomenal job of doing that. Now you tell us how. How did he do that?
0: Yeah, so he basically takes, uh, the, the man of sorrows, prayerful submission, strength, everything from the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, into, uh, the cross. And he doesn't just give expositions like you would hear in a sermon. He gives devotional thoughts. He gives, like you said, biblical imagination you know you know there's there're beautiful lines meditating on the cross and the suffering of Christ you know something like this he says uh he says here that uh, his face was soon bruised and swollen by the rain of heavy blows his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance in his form beyond that of the children of man Calvin puts it well. This insolence was turned by the providence of God to a very different purpose for the face of Christ, dishonored by spitting and blows, has restored to us that image which had been disfigured and almost effaced by sin. So it's just these beautiful meditations on what's going on in the events of the cross.
1: I use this devotionally in the mornings. Yep. Uh, I mean, the chapters are three, four, five pages. Small too, see? Uh, Really and it was, it was really warming to my soul. Um, yeah. The the meditations on the sufferings of the
0: Redeemer. I likewise used it for my devotions. Yeah. Frederick Leahy. Yeah. Excellent. All right. I'm going to move into the next one. Go for uh, it. this one was mentioned by you last year. Yeah. I read it this year. Uh, Catherine also mentioned this. So this is, we could say once again, three out of the three here. Dark clouds, deep mercy by Mark Vrogop. Uh, discovering the grace of lament. I felt like this book was learning a new language. Mm. It was literally like learning how to speak Spanish of sorts, right? It's, it's teaching us how to lament. He uses this language. He, he takes the Psalms and talks about how often we hear this language of lament in the Psalms. And then he, he, he notes that and then he helps us do it, helps us to lament. And this was especially since it was such a hard year. This was so helpful to me to give me a category where we're not just sort of running past and putting, you know, kind of lipstick on a pig of the difficulties and the hardness of the world. But instead, he gives us language for it in the language of lament. And so he uses the language of pain to promise, how to move from pain into promise by understanding how to practice uh, lament and prayers of lament.
1: Yeah, And do you remember the opening part of the book? Why he ended up writing this? Tell so me. Mark, Mark's a pastor. Yep. Um, and so he's dealt with a lot of lament. Yes. But yeah. the early part of the book, it comes from a, a tragedy, losing a child in his yes. own life. That's right. That's and right. how he and his wife were processing and he began to read scripture and recognize there's a language I haven't learned and it's lament. Yep. And so this book is, it's, it's born with the fruit of lament in a person's life. So it's not academic anyway. It's very pastoral. And you
0: hear, you do this a lot in the pastoral prayers in our services, right? You model that for us. Yeah. But if you're trying to figure out how does my Christian faith uh, work alongside of or work in and through the painful aspects of this world, this book is going to teach you how to pray through the pain and into the promise. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent book. Won many awards to Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Yeah. Joey? Uh another one on Christian life would be uh The Cross Before Me by Rankin Wilborn. Uh if you've hung around me, you know that I love another book by Rankin called Union with Christ, and that was a beautiful book. And this one is uh The Cross Before Me. Uh not just the cross before me as I behold it, but literally the cross before me. In other words, it walks out uh, just a, a few chronologically. The, it, yeah. So walks yeah. out a few things. So he says like things like this, like happiness is communion with God. And the way to that communion is the way of the cross. In other words, our lives as Christian is cruciform. And he says, at, at, as the cross invites us to reimagine the good life, it calls us to be displaced from the center of our own lives. The cross before me. Mm. And he walks that through in humility. He walks it through in uh, freedom. He walks it through in vocation. He walks it through. Um, just an excellent way of applying the cross. Similar to this, it is, but it's not as imaginative like the. I, of, I'm holding up the cross yeah. you bore. It's not as imaginative like what was Christ going through, okay. but it takes that and says, "Okay, now what does this look like to reimagine the good life for us?" All right, more instructive. So we have this. Yeah. We have this version of the American life. The American dream that is we're told is the good life. And he says, No, the Christian life is cruciform, it's upside down. The good life is putting the cross, Christ, before myself. Good. It's Love an excellent it. book, yeah.
0: Uh one, some of you know that uh I have had a had to work through a fear of dying, not the fear of death, fear of dying. And uh and I meet with people that have a lot of fears regularly. And I found this book to be fantastic. Fight your fears by Kristen Weatherall. Uh, and the reason why it's so good is not just the information that it gives, but really the book serves as a kind of counselor. So it walks through the fa- it walks through in each chapter, uh, and it acknowledges all of the pains, the struggles and the fears that we might have. Uh, and she not only talks about those, her, her answer, by the way, is not to have, not to, to, in order to overcome fear is not to have no fear, but she actually says is to have more fear. But namely the fear of God before us. And that is what actually brings us to calm. But, uh, the one of the things I like about this book is she not only gives us information like, you know, do this or don't do that, whatever the case may be. She's very good at that. She's thinking about the word and applying the word. But one of the things I loved about this book is how it, again, it almost served as a counselor. At the back of each chapter that she writes, she gives you something to ponder something to preserve, something to prepare and something to pray.
1: She even alliterated.
0: She did. She did. She must be a Baptist. Uh so like for instance at the end of this learning to trust, ponder. Ponder this verse, Psalms 25:14. Mm. Preserve. Have you uh how have you related to God in the past? Prepare to see ourselves rightly. We we must see God rightly and he uses his word to show us who he is. And then he gives us a prayer. And then what I would do is I would take this it's beautiful, like it's aesthetically nice. I would take a picture of this verse, and I would just meditate on it. I'd put it on my uh, home screen. So the first thing I saw uh, would be the verse that I was working through. Man, I found this to be, it basically serves as like a kind of counselor for your fears. So good meditations on the Word and a good way to kind of work it out, not just get some information. Mm-hmm. Fight Your Fears by Kristen Weatherall. By the way, we'll put all of these books on uh, a list. We'll email out the link yeah, so yeah. you have them all. Joey, That's you got to yeah. know I do. Go. Um, are we switching categories? What are we doing? What are we? I got, all right, two more on the Christian devotion stuff. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right, if you've never made a disciple in the sense that you've never met up with somebody and tried to help them follow Jesus, uh, and you're like, how do I begin? What do I do? What do I need to think about? What do I need to do practically? These kinds of things. I found this book. You weren't crazy about this book. I really like this book. Side by Side by Ed Welch. Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. You hear us say all the time that if you're not helping Christian, other people follow Jesus. I don't know what you mean when you say you're a Christian. And you're like, I've never done that before. This little book right here will help you to do it. It'll give you sort of spiritual truths to meditate on, and it'll give you kind of practical stuff to do, uh, to it's, kind of get you from, yeah. it's super practical. Yeah.
1: Even if you're just asking the question like, how can I serve my community group members better?
0: Yeah, that'd be a very, very helpful, very simple book. It's a simple, great little book to get you started in making disciples, Side by Side by Ed Welch. And then the last one, man, this was so helpful to me this year. Woo, I, I'm not a huge guy into politics, uh, at least. However, Jonathan Lehman taught me I'm actually incredibly political, and so are you. So is everybody. So Jonathan Lehman wrote the book, How the Nations Rage, Rethinking Faith and Politics in a Divided Age. This book was so uh, useful mm. in this very tumultuous political year. Uh, and so what he does in this book, I would strongly recommend this to you. What he does in this book is he helps you sort of understand the world in which we live in as Christians. Uh, namely, uh, how is it we think about our faith in relation to politics. But also, one of the things that was most helpful to me is to help understand how other people think about politics. In particular, he has this image of how everybody has a particular worldview and has a particular politics and has a particular theological convictions. And what government is, he says, is us bringing all of those worldview things into the public sphere and trying to work them out. He has this great illustration of how, uh, how everybody has gods or idols that we all worship in some way. And he has this image of like, if we were to go on an airplane and we would go through the security check, all of us would have the lights blink because all of us are carrying gods and ideas into the public sphere, and he helps you understand how, as Christians, how do we think about government in relation to our faith? And he does. he's very charitable. This is not a kind of right-wing book or a left-wing book or whatever the case may be. He's trying to think right down the center of how Christians think. Uh, easy to read, by the way. He's a good writer. Uh, he gives funny examples and that sort of thing. Really helped. How the Nations Rage... Rethinking Faith and Politics in a Divided Age, Jonathan Lehman. There you go. Now we're switching well, categories. Well, what
1: are your other categories? I've got to figure out what the other books are. All right, are. So the next category. Categories? Let's see. Let's let's think a little bit about. Uh, well, you go. You just dive in. Okay. Dive so, in. uh, well, I'll do. Are you going to come back to what the other one Catherine recommended? Or oh yeah, do that now. Okay. This would be so good.
0: I don't know what that yeah. book is. So it's you a great book. It yep. You.
1: It's a little book called Perfect Sinners. So Perfect Sinners, essentially. This book is a application of our union with Christ. So the subtitle is, See Yourself as God Sees You. So he walks through how can we be perfect and sinners. Um, and he takes that book, just a, a little flavor from the introduction. He says, in this book, we'll pull apart our status before God and our walk with Him. Both come from being in Christ. That's union. We're... United to Jesus as a branch is to a tree, all spiritual life flows from him, yet the distinction between status and walk is key. We are perfect, our status, and yet we are sinners, our walk. And he just, he unfolds uh, how that plays itself out through asking questions. How can God love me when he hates sin? Does God only love me because he has to? Does God love for me vary? Uh, should i ever feel guilty does god this is chapter seven and a half does god really still love me <laughs> uh, why is change so slow mm. um, how do i enjoy a greater assurance and so just a wonderful book of either warming your own soul and being uh affirmed in your love for christ or helping others as well so
0: it sounds like tell me if i'm right this book would be sort of more instructive as to how we think about who we are in Christ, and then this book is more okay uh helping me sort of think about maybe some questions that may come after this yeah, I think so they go, they, they, they do go
1: hand in hand um for sure, Standard so yeah, one that, and two just that union with Christ and it's its application for for both our rest and our practice yeah, so, good Catherine was really helped by this one, yes. All right, I'm going to move to biographies. One more. Before we move to biographies, right. I have one biography. Uh, prayer, How Praying Together Shapes the Church. John Owen Chekwa, a uh, wonderful book on why we pray as Christians, not just individually, but corporately. Yes. So, beloved, hopefully you see that we're praying corporately, both in our gatherings but uh, also in community groups and so forth, and he just unfolds that wonderful little book. Recommend it to you. Yeah,
0: that's you such a good I read it this year, too. How do we think... How many books have you read about prayer corporately? Yeah. Uh, I think that might be the only one I've ever read. Yeah.
1: Anyway. And he does a good job of not guilting you into prayer, yeah. but actually showing you the beauty of it and right. inviting you into it. And I think it'll help you understand our
0: services and how we use yeah. prayer uh, by reading that as well.
1: All right, biographies. Biographies,
0: here we go. Uh, I think I mentioned this two or three years ago, but I just want to, in light of the year that we've had, uh, I think it's good to bring back up. Uh, if you have not read this little book, The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, this is the autobiography, one of the autobiographies of Frederick Douglass. It is tiny, it is small, and it is action-packed. He tells his story of how he basically was born into slavery, how he got out of slavery, and at the back, the appendix is gut-wrenching.
1: I was gonna say, if you read that
0: book, you have to make sure you read the appendix. Yes, don't lose sight of it, cause he kind of, he basically wrestles with Christianity and slavery at the time, and sort of how does he think about that, and what was going on, and that sort of thing. This book is phenomenal to understand the experience of African Americans during the 19th century, and at the back end, he helps you even weigh it out, begin to kind of see the struggle between people that claimed Christ and yet owned and traded yeah. people. Uh, it's heart wrenching. It's hard to read, but boy, it is so good and it's short. Uh, you could probably read this
1: in three or four hours. I think the longest book we've recommended is like 200 pages at the moment. Yes, I know. Anyway, we need to recommend some longer books. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, you got another bi- biography? I, I have I bi- I don't have the a one copy book. with me. It's, uh, Jim Elliott in the shadow of the almighty. So Jim Elliot and his wife Elizabeth, along with some others, were missionaries to the Akka Indians. And this is his biography, as written by his wife, and just a heart wrenching yet beautifully glorious tale of how they literally gave up their life to get the gospel to the Aka Indians mm. and the fruit that resulted from that. And so, just a just an encouraging tale. Again, I think. Christian biographies help us understand the legacy of faith, both to challenge us and encourage us in hard time. So Jim Elliott, in the shadow of the Almighty.
0: Yeah, uh, I lent my copy of uh, John Piper's little mini-sermons on biographies of saints to Dimitri. Uh He's been reading this through, and he just mentioned to me the other day how instructive it is to, to read the biographies of all these different Christians and how common suffering is. I think we forget that here in America we're experiencing a lot this year. And so to read biographies like Jim Elliott, you see how common suffering is, and then you see uh, how the Lord can use that suffering for the glory of his name and the good of his people and even for us that are walking through it all. That was uh, my biography.
1: So that I'm, includes
0: kind of Frederick Douglass yeah. even. So tell me the title of that one again. Um, In the Shadow of the Almighty, the biography of Jim Elliot. I mentioned at the beginning that I I uh, have a leisure read and I kind of I normally will do that on the weekends uh uh when it's dark early I have difficulty reading in the evenings so in the when it's warm outside and the days are late I'll sit on the porch and read my leisure but the my uh, I just I read this year C.S. Lewis's um Chronicles of Narnia it was okay <laughs> uh I probably get You read all 7. I read I think it's 8 or whatever yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I read them all and it was okay. It was all right. But this, I just, this is the one I'm reading right now. It's called Reformation Women, 16th Century, 16th Century Figures Who Shaped Christianity's Rebirth. So basically, we, we know all about, many of us know a lot about the historical figures like Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and these guys, but rarely do we hear messages about, uh, women and what they were doing at this time. Well, this little book actually explains some of the women, uh, and what they were doing and how they helped fan the flames of the Reformation. Uh, you get Anna Reinhardt and, uh, Katerina Schutz and, uh, some of these names I can't even pronounce. Charlotte Arbalest, uh, Luis de Coligny, uh, uh Renee of Ferrara. Have you heard any of those people? I haven't. And so yet the Lord used them mightily. And I've been reading, I'm about three chapters into it and it is fat, it is page turning, uh, to sort of see what these women were doing. Uh, to help fan the fires of the Reformation. This is a part of history we need to do a better job at as as a church to understand how God has used women in the past. And so I would strongly recommend men or women to read this book, Reformation Women, 16th Century Figures Who Shaped Christianity's Rebirth. Last book. If you're looking for one book. You already gave one book. I know. That, well, hang on. That... That you're like, all right, I want to get pushed. These books are somewhat devotional in nature. Yes. Or biographical in nature. And you're saying, all right, I need to push my mind a little harder to push deeper in. Uh, I want to recommend to you the mm. classic knowing God.
1: There was a group of people that just read that. They and did I this I know year. they were sh-
0: superly yes. shaped by it. Yes. Yeah. This book. So when you go, I saw a list of like kind of celebrity Christian guys and gals, uh, like favorite three books and this book was on almost well, probably like 40% of their favorite books, top three. It'll be a little bit more of an ask, not much. He writes pretty devotionally, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yet he's going to instruct your mind in things that are uh, uh, very at a more deeper level. So he talks about knowing the Lord, beholding your God if God is before us, the heart of the gospel, sons of God, the love of God, the grace of God, God the judge, the wrath of God, the goodness and severity of God, the jealousy of God. And he asked this question, the provocative question at the beginning of this. I love this. He's gonna get, he's gonna help you think deeply about who God is and what He's like. Uh, you know, the, the gentle and lowly is gonna talk about sort of one aspect of His character. This is gonna really try to get into all of His character. Uh, and He asked the question at the beginning, if we get this information, what are we, what are we gonna do with the information? Because it could go bad on us. You could get arrogant and use it to bully people. So that gives you the heart behind him. He's not just instructing your head, but your heart. But this one's going to challenge you a little bit. Knowing God by J.I. Packer, a Christian classic. There it is. Joey, any final words before we sign off? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know for me this year, I thought with the pandemic I would read more. I actually read less this year than I have in a year past. Yeah. I don't know what's behind that, but uh, I spent months where I hardly read at all. So... Uh, don't feel bad if you haven't read right. or whatever. Just yeah. pick one or two books maybe for next year and say this is I'm going to commit to read and, and be encouraged by. It.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to finish with this. Uh, make sure and read the Bible. That's the most important book you need to read. And so uh, we are going to preach one particular book in the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. And so if you're saying, all right, Nathan, Joey, Catherine, give me a book of the Bible to read, can I encourage you to read the single book of the Pentateuch? so as to prepare you for what's coming up later uh, in 2021 when we go through a particular book in the pentateuch so that would be my one book of recommendation we've we've studied luke right a lot so can i encourage you to go back to the beginning and just try to read through the first 5 books of the bible uh, and try to try to be done with them by the end of january or maybe middle of february uh and when you get done with it, go back and read the book we're gonna preach again. Which book is that? Should we tell him?
1: <laughs> no. I don't, know. I don't know. I feel
0: pretty confident All about right. it. Well I'm gonna give it to you. Here, it is. Here you go. I'm gonna tell you now. The book uh that we're going to preach through probably beginning in March is the book of Exodus. So uh we have six sermons where we work through the book of Genesis. Um, years ago, yep. but we have a couple
1: have, of one-offs in Genesis. And as a couple of well.
0: one-offs in Genesis, but we've never done a much work on the other four books of the Pentateuch. And so that led me to conclude that it would be a good book to work through. So read through the Pentateuch entirely. And then after you're done, go back and read the book of Exodus. And hopefully by that time, we're going to dive right into the book and you're going to be ready to receive it. Well. We praise God for good books. The greatest book of all is God's word, which Jesus says is about him. And so I hope this will be helpful to you. We're going to send you an email that has the link to all these books on it in an email. Um, but uh, I hope these books will help you to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ as we enjoy him together Amen. forever. Amen.